Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Conversations on Dance is brought to you by Yumiko. Discover the new Yumiko Kids SS19 collection. Included in this collection is the Kids Anna, a classic scoop tank Leo, Kids Daniela, a cross strap camisole leotard, a Kids Julia, gathered halter tie leotard, and so much more. Available in different color combinations online, explore Yumiko's new Kids line. Get your own customizable dancewear now at yumiko.com. Looking for a discount on your Yumiko order? Order 10 items or more and enjoy Yumiko's group discount of 10% off. More information on yumiko.com. Before we get started, we want to remind our listeners to join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod. We also want to thank everyone who has already taken our listener survey. We're getting really great responses that we are looking forward to talking about in a future episode. If you haven't taken it already, have your voice heard. We have linked to the short nine-question survey in the description of this episode. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by Yumiko Takashima, founder of the dancewear company Yumiko. Yumiko began dancing at the age of four in Sapporo, Japan. At the age of 14, she moved to San Francisco to study at the San Francisco Ballet School. Yumiko went on to dance with various companies before ultimately ending up at Dutch National Ballet, where she danced for over a decade. While at Dutch National, out of necessity, she started to design her own leotards in 2002. Soon, word of her design spread and the orders were pouring in. She would rehearse all day and then return to her apartment and sew throughout the night to fulfill orders. After retiring from the stage in April 2014, Yumiko has continued to grow her massive dance brand by focusing on designing and developing new styles and products for the company. So thank you so much for joining us today. We have, I don't know, what, what's our time difference? Like 10 hours now? Because <laughs> we're, we're in Denver, Colorado. You're yeah. in the countryside in Spain. So we're so grateful that we could work this out to make this connection. 
Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited. <laughs> All right. So we just want to start in the beginning. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you became interested in ballet and your early training in Sapporo, Japan? Yeah, um, my mom actually really liked ballet, but she was never able to do it because um, she grew up in a very small town in Japan and she saw her friend dance and she thought, oh, I'd love to be a dancer, but she was never able to do it. Mm -hmm. So when my older sister was born, she put her in dance. And I'm three years younger than my sister, but as soon as I was born, basically, I was taken to ballet class with my sister and just watching her dance. But apparently, I already started to dance even before I started walking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just remember running around, not doing much dancing, but just having fun with people around. And um, my teacher somehow really let me do things free. I only had a ballet class once a week until I was maybe 12 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the place where it was like um, the wooden floor, but it was really thin wood and some parts were coming up. So it was a little bit dangerous and wow very slippery and it wasn't very serious situation I have to say but somehow I just loved it so much it was so inspiring so when did you start to become more serious and kind of say like okay I'm 12 I need to take more than one ballet class a week this is really something I want to do yeah somehow uh there were some famous teacher came from Tokyo to sit nutcracker or so for the ballet school and he gave me some kind of t teeny little role in that cracker I can't mm -hmm. even, it's not even like Clara it was just a some girl in the party right. <laughs> party scene but I I got kind of excited I thought oh my god why me I'm I'm really grateful for that Aww. and since then I I felt like oh maybe I want to do something in dance not sure I wasn't so sure but I apparently I started to really developed since mm -hmm. and then when I was 13 this lady Japanese lady who lived in San Francisco but who were my teacher's first student she had a um, tiny ballet school in San Francisco she came to teach in my hometown and she saw me and she said oh you're kind of talented. If you want to become a professional dancer, there's a great ballet school in San Francisco. Why don't you try there? Oh, so I was like, oh, sounds amazing. And she spoke to my parents and my parents are like, oh, great, go. <laughs> it was a bit like that. That's so impressive that your parents were encouraging um, for such a, a big opportunity but big shift you know um to have yeah. you cross an ocean to go get some training uh were they always supportive of you in that way yes i don't know why but very much anything i wanted to do they let me do it mm -hmm. it was amazing yeah I, you would think 13 years old you know still middle of junior high school they were so excited they're like yeah go great let's try it for the first six months see how it goes and, and then I had to come back to do school education. Oh. But um, they they just said, oh, just try it. Right. <laughs> Great. So did you, so when you went, did you go by yourself? And how long did you stay for? Because you did train in the school for a few years. Is that correct? 
Yeah, kind of on and off. The first mm-hmm. time I went, I was 13, and I went alone, mm-hmm. and I stayed with this um, Japanese lady for six months. Wow. She really helped me out. Wonderful lady. And um, then I went back to Japan for almost a year, and then my parents said, okay, I think you need to go back out there. You know, you seem like you want to just dance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went back when I was 15, and I, I didn't come home since. <laughs> I went back to school for a year and a few more months until I got a job in South Korea somehow. So back to when you went to San Francisco originally, you didn't speak yeah. any English when you first arrived, though you were very young and, of course, I'm sure very adaptable. What was that like for you, just having that huge culture shift and being in the studio and not speaking the language? Yeah, I have to say I didn't speak a word of English. That was really hard because I, I was so interested to know what American girls were thinking. Oh. I thought they looked so impressive they look so cute they dress well <laughs> they already start put makeup on and I, they just seem so inspiring and I couldn't say anything it was a little bit hard to start with yeah so first six months I really couldn't say anything I couldn't really make much friends and I had to come back to Japan and second time I went back to school when I was 15 this Japanese lady she said I have to kick you out of house because you don't learn English. (laughs) (laughs) Best thing happened to me. So she found me roommates who were my age. So I got an apartment with another girl who were my age, 15 years old. Three of us, we lived together. Basically, uh, party all night. (laughs) Really amazing, amazing time. (laughs) They taught me English. Uh Wonderful. So you said that the first job you ever took was in Korea, which would have been another big cultural shift. What was it like adapting to life there and company life at such a young age? I believe you're only 16. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for me, it was just pure fun. It was amazing Mm -hmm. because um, that was first time I, I was getting paid to dance. That was already such an exciting thought. I was like, oh, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> I can dance as much as I want all day long. And living in Korea somehow back then was just pure fun to get to know somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing time. Um, yeah, Korea, I didn't know that Korean people didn't like Japanese people. Oh. That, that I found out when I first went there because of the history things, mm-hmm. which I was never really taught in Japan. Mm. So it was um, something I really had to be aware of right away. But um, the kids in my age, 16, 17, all the Korean girls, they they took me out all the time. I was also there with a few other Japanese people who I became very close friends with. And we were just dancing studio all day and after we would go play video games and (laughs) up all night, yeah, partying. (laughs) (laughs) sounds like you had a lot of fun during that time (laughs) I sure did I really did I really nice people I I got lucky with um good friends and people around me they really guide me to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. so after just a few seasons you decided to move to New York City uh, to New York um what do you feel Mm -hmm. like made you like it was time to move on kind of and start something new and find a different adventure for you and for your career 
Yeah, I always wanted to dance in Europe or America, either one, of course. But um, because I danced in Korea for three years, I danced really hard and I did lots of classical ballets. But I felt like I wanted to try some contemporary or, you know, some new choreographers uh, work. So I thought, okay, it'll be great to go to New York just to see what I can find. Where do I start? I don't know what, but it was just to try out. Mm -hmm. When, uh, you, you actually danced with several different companies before eventually landing at Dutch National Ballet for a long period of time, a, a decade. Um, mm -hmm. What was it about, what, what did you find inspiring or um, what motivated you to kind of go from company to company when you were young and trying to find your place? Why did, why did that uh -huh. appeal to you? Yeah, of course, you know, I was searching for some company where I can be at for a long, long time. And the first job offer I had after Korea was Alberta Ballet in Canada. Mm -hmm. And this was such a nice company, very small company, though, about 20 dancers. And we did everything, classical, modern, contemporary. And this is first time I really got in touch with some kind of contemporary pieces. Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful experience. But it, it also, I felt like, I wanted to move on. I did that for one year. Great experience. But I, I thought, oh, great. I want to try Europe. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Then came out to Europe. I found a brand new company called Concord Dance. It was private founded company, mm -hmm. which wow. uh, folded in six months. It was a little bit sad story. Oh, wow. Yeah, really sad because it was amazing, brand new company. People came from all over the world, young dancers, and everybody who work, we work with had to come. You know, all the choreographers came to the company and directly worked with us. Mm -hmm. And it was so exciting, but company couldn't keep up with the money. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were out on the street giving uh, flyers. Um, oh four months flyers. <laughs> yeah, we wow. did all that trying to wow. help out, but it yeah, it, it just couldn't continue. So we all kind of had to leave one by one. You know, we're like, wow, that's really sad. But mm -hmm. and um, on the way back home, I auditioned for that National Valley, but uh, director Wayne Neagling back then didn't have spot for me. He's he and, and somehow he happened to see my show in Paris. Mm -hmm with the former company mm -hmm. and he's like, I, I saw your performance and you, you're really good, but I don't, I don't have any spots. Like nothing I can do. I was like, Oh, okay. All right. That's too bad. <laughs> so I went, yeah, I went back to New York and, uh, there was Feld Ballet very close to where I lived. And I just knocked on the door. I, I really needed a job. And I was like, um, I want to audition. And he gave me a job right away, which was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> So I was there for maybe seven, eight months. And then Wayne Neagling had called me back and said, oh, I have a spot for you in Dutch National Ballet if you like to come. So it was just kind of, yeah, experimenting, trying. Right. That's so, I mean, that must have been a huge uh, assurance, a big vote of confidence from him that he hadn't seen you for, at that point, you know, almost a better part of a year and yet he still kept you in his mind and said okay when i have something i'm going to call her up 
Yeah, I thought he forgot. I thought, okay, it's not happening. I was like, should I call him back or is that too pushy? Or, mm-hmm. But he came to New York, actually, um, to David Howard's studio. Do you, do you know David Howard? Of course. Um, I loved his he had a Yeah. Oh, me too. I love <laughs> him so much. But anyway, um, Wayne Eagling has come and see me in the class mm-hmm. just to, I guess, check <laughs> if I was still in shape or I don't know what. Yeah, so he, he said to me, okay, if you like, I, I there's only quarter ballet position, but would you come? I was like, yeah, i take anything, great. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your experience yeah. like with the company, and, and what sort of repertoire were you dancing? I went to Dutch National Ballet, oh, everything, oh, literally everything, everything was amazing. <laughs> the first day I arrived in Amsterdam, they were doing four-size artifact, which was, oh, yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, I've (laughs) never seen anything like it. So beautiful, so inspiring, some kind of movement I've never seen. And Forsyth was there, Mm. and I I was so inspired. Yeah, it was awesome. I wasn't in the piece because I came into the company a little bit late, Mm -hmm. but um, we had this improvisation workshop for one hour and he put me in a piece i thought oh i'm so lucky yeah Yeah. and there was giselle there was yeah swan lake rudy van danzig you know the the choreographer who Mm -hmm. built dutch ballet hans van manen um literally everything was such an amazing company what other choreographers did you, you mentioned a few already, but that you got to work really closely with while you were um, at Dutch National? I I have to mention, without mentioning David Dawson, my life, right. ballet life doesn't exist. Aww. But um, yeah, David uh, was my partner. We were dancing together quite a bit uh, as a dancer. He, uh, him and I, we were kind of same height, somehow went together we were a little bit speedy dancers and mm-hmm. so we we always danced together and we became very good friends and then after a while he went to foresight company he didn't want to be in the classical company anymore so it was a little bit sad but he came back he stopped dancing and he said i want to be a choreographer so two years later he came back to amsterdam and just said i'll make a piece <laughs> it was very spontaneous but the piece he made was just so incredible. Right away, he was already established. Right. And I worked very closely with David from the very first piece he made. And also, he asked me to design costume for his ballet from then, since the first time, uh, first ballet until now. Mm-hmm. So... That's a perfect way to transition into the work you do now. Um, when yeah. did you first become interested in design? Design for costumes for performances, it's because David asked me to do it first mm-hmm. time. And I, and I said to him, why me? Why am I designing the costume? <laughs> I said, where did you get the thoughts? I'm a dancer. And he said to me, oh, but you've been making leotards for people. And you make people look really good. Mm-hmm. I say costume, it's all about making people look good. And it seems like you already know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, but I don't know how to draw or I don't know what what do I have to do. He goes, don't worry. Just try it. He says, you, you have it already, he said to me. I don't know what he meant, but 
so I just started like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I start. That's how I became a、yeah. costume designer. Very strange. Well, so let's rewind then to when you first became、um, interested in designing leotards. What was? The, can you tell us what sparked the creation of your first leotard? And if you, you know, if you, had you had、mm. any experience with design, or were you just sort of off the cuff deciding this could be fun? Yeah, I had absolutely no experience so sewing whatsoever. I only learned how to use sewing machine.、Um, School in Japan,、mm-hmm. and、um, but you know my parents has a kimono shop,、oh, wow. very traditional Japanese yeah kimono store. So I grew up surrounded by beautiful fabrics.、Mm-hmm. There were these silk fabrics everywhere all the time, and I I used to just love touching it and cut cut it if I could, <laughs> <laughs> and just place on top of each other. Or but I didn't. Or anything, or design nothing. But、uh, so I used to love going to fabric stores, no matter where I went. Like when I was on tour, I just went to fabric stores just to touch it. Or <laughs> so when when I first got to Amsterdam,、um, I also started to go to fabric store. And because、uh, when you get an apartment in Amsterdam, you get nothing. You know, there's no kitchen, there's no light bulbs, and there's No curtain, so I I had no money when I came from New York,、mm-hmm. and I started to sew my own curtains and bed covers or whatever I could just do it cheap. Right, right. <laughs> and and I was going to fabric stores all the time. And one day there was this stretchy fabric on the sale rack, <laughs> and I I was just like,、oh, what is that? It looks like a leotard material.、Mm-hmm. And there was not even thought in my head to. Do anything with it, but I just bought it because it was so cheap, and <laughs> and I, yeah, I took it home and I was looking at it, and thinking like, is it actually possible to sew a leotard? And I start to、um, cut something, and then start to sew something, but I didn't know how to sew, so it took me about good three days to come up with something,、mm-hmm. and I made one leotard and I wore it to company. Next day, and everybody said, "Oh my God, where'd you get that leotard? Can you make me the same if you did that?" Or and I was like, "Wait, wait, wait! I don't know how I made this, but <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was a bit like that. The first piece was it." <laughs> I was just curious since you kind of just like made it off the cuff, and if people were asking for other ones, and you decided like, "Okay, well maybe I'll make one for someone." How did you replicate what you did? Did you take the first one apart and like try to? Recreate it, or did you just like start from the beginning? How did you start to kind of evolve the design for other people? Yeah, I have to say I can't even call the design. It was a bit like, <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? Like, wh- what did I do? How did I sew it and put it together? And but the first one, I kind of happened to make a pattern out of newspaper,、mm-hmm. but it was really bad. But I just kind <laughs> of used that and tried to. Make a better, better pattern according to other people's body sizes or what they want. But because I didn't know how to do anything, when somebody asked me to make something, it might take me a good week to come up with something.、Mm-hmm. But somehow, yeah, people always said to me, "Can you make me something that I look good in?"、Mm-hmm. That's how they put it. So I was like, "What does that mean?" But <laughs> I don't know. I just tried it. <laughs> 
So once you set the business up officially, you were working out of your apartment in Amsterdam, where you were making the leotards by hand with an assistant. When did that model no longer become sustainable, and how did the brand evolve from there as a business? Yeah, so it was like this. So um, I was sewing all the time. I would be sewing until you know I finished work at the company. I ran home. I'd be sewing until I don't know what, till one or two in the morning. And I was doing that for a long time. And my husband went a little bit crazy. <laughs> he said, my house has been taken over. Like, I have nowhere to live. It's uh, machines going off all the time. And anyway, just to help me out, uh, he found me a uh, sewer. Someone amazing, actually. She only spoke Spanish, but she was a wonderful girl. And she helped me sew for one year. We were sewing at home. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, somehow through mouth to mouth, I was getting lots of orders from my friends in San Francisco or Denmark or through those people somehow more and just absolutely going crazy in the house. Yeah. And then my husband went really crazy and he (laughs) said, I got to get this out of the house. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) So he set up a workshop for me in Spain. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. He just said, I, I'm i going to do it. <laughs> I'll do it for you and get the fabric out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still here. We sew everything in Spain. And um, yeah, we auditioned some people. It's done in this beautiful white village in Spain, south of Spain. Um, we've auditioned sewers and we found good people, four people to start with. And out of four or three people still here. Wow. 16 years later. So and very happy. Oh, my gosh. So how many people are there now? So if you started with four, how many do you have working for you now? I'm, I'm not so sure because it seems a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on and off, but around 22 or 23. Wow, that's incredible. I, I think. Yeah, because sometimes... They're new people. Some people are pregnant, gone for a couple of years. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Oh my yeah, gosh. but they love it. <laughs> so we'll we'll get back to where Yumiko stands today. But um, we wanted to kind of also hear about how this trajectory went along with your dancing career. As you're saying, when you started and you were receiving these orders, you were sewing after work for hours and hours on end. When did you decide mm-hmm. like, okay, I you know, I'm done with dancing and clearly you'd set up a great career path for yourself for afterwards. So I'm sure that really helped you kind of decide like it's okay to retire. How did that thought process go? Oh, it's really funny because I never meant to make my dancewear company or dancewear so serious. I I didn't know it was going to go so big. (laughs) It almost like, it almost like started walking along and I was trying to catch up with it, you know, People were ordering and I was getting offers like, can you, can you do more designs? And it's bit like there was a fish and I didn't have fish in it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh my God, there's a fish. I got to catch a fish, but I don't have a net. I have to make the net first. <laughs> kind of. I had customers first, but I had no product because people were always asking me, can you do something? Um, but anyway, I never meant to make it a career out of sewing. Very strange. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I was very serious dancer. I was always working. I was always um, even working on the weekends because I just 
really wanted to work on, you know, rap or working with David Dawson when he wanted to search new movement. We were always in studio together. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking maybe this was going to be my second career. Right. But, but because my husband set up wonderful workshop for me, then he started to really go big. And then, but I was, well, I was still dancing seriously until 2000. I can't even remember what it was, but maybe sad to say, but yes, until about I was 40. <laughs> two years old that's an incredible <laughs> career though oh my gosh yeah and i have my son quite late yeah 42 43 i had my first child and then i felt like okay i better stop <laughs> it's enough dancing i dance everything i wanted absolutely no um no regrets i really had a great time dancing and then there was this dancewear company already there mm-hmm. so it was like yeah but my husband really did so much mm-hmm. he really uh set up everything he's running a company actually mm-hmm. he's doing most of things yeah so i could focus on dancing and right. when i stopped dancing everyone was so happy they're like oh my god thank you Yurika, finally you stopped dancing you put some time <laughs> into dancewear <laughs> yeah <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it was a bit like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as we both know, as dancers who have worn your products, there's just something different about your brand. It, it feels natural. It feels like a second skin rather than, um, you know, sometimes you, you, as dancers, you want to feel your mo- your most comfortable and you're most like yourself with what you're wearing so that you can work your best. Um, mm-hmm. But when you start out creating, did you do it? because you were kind of seeking an alternative to what was out there or was this Mm -hmm. just a subconscious thing like you are a dancer so of course you inherently know what we want so it allows you to bring us something that feels more comfortable right right yeah it's a little bit of both funny enough because i didn't know i was even making dancewear Mm -hmm. you know that kind of i was like what what am i making here but it looks like everybody like it i don't know Mm -hmm. why (laughs) <laughs> and then, yeah, but little by little, I start to realize that I, all my old leotards, I cut into it. Oh. Somehow I didn't like the fit. Mm-hmm. You know how dancers always cut little oh, yeah. armpits or little, you know, yeah, yeah. back, lower back. or. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm just going to make it already low back to start with. So I don't have to cut it. Or mm-hmm. I always felt like I had a kind of bad posture, like not very open chests and teachers always tell me oh you gotta open your chest and (laughs) and i came up with one design it's a very simple design and every time i wore it no one corrected me about my (laughs) posture i was like yes this is working you know it makes me look like (laughs) i had a better posture i didn't have to work on it that hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah stuff like that yeah it kind of it really went with dancing like i was looking at myself wear it every day or I had to feel how it how it feels. New designs. I had to make sure it was safe or yeah, something you can wear eight hours a day and still feel like okay, I don't need to take it off. It feels so right comfortable. That's so funny yeah. that you said that about you wearing them and like every new design you would take it to the studio and see how it felt and see how it was. Um, what do you do now? Because now that you're not in the studio so much and you 
Yumiko is always like every time I turn around, there's a new design coming out, which is so great. There's always new things happening. So what is your process now for um, introducing new designs yeah. to the market? Yeah, it's difficult because I put on so much weight. I stopped dancing, but cold turkey, I, I'm from that day. I haven't done oh my God. any exercise, nothing. <laughs> I don't know in America, but I, I I put on about 14 kilograms. I don't know what that is in pounds, but it's a lot. <laughs> and I can't, I can't even wear what I used to wear, of course. Yeah. So I always have people try them on, but uh, I really make them wear and move it wear it, wash it, you know, try it out a couple times. And even then I might find out, okay, it's not working. So I just have to say goodbye to that model and try something else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot longer press process now. It's, it, it is a bit of, um, it's a tough one mm-hmm. that I can't wear it myself. <laughs> so let's, yeah. let's talk a little bit about your work as a costume designer it, in addition to um, mm. your brand, uh, you reworked the costumes for Balanchine's Apollo in Dresden. Um, yeah. You had to work within the parameters of what the trust, the Balanchine Trust, would allow. Uh-huh. So what was that mm-hmm. like working with them and creating something updated for this legendary ballet? Right, right. You know, um, I have to say that I danced Apollo myself, too. So I really had a lot of respect for it. Mm-hmm. And I liked the ballet so much. And uh, when I got this offer to maybe redesign, I really didn't want to change too much because I thought it was so beautiful already. But there's something about the fabrics that I never really liked. Mm-hmm. So I, I made it a lot lighter. I used a lighter fabric. I also used some mesh a little bit. Also for main character Apollo, I used the mesh for the top part. Mm-hmm. And just tried to really make sure the fit was good. That's about it, really. Mm-hmm. Nothing too different because I already felt like what what is more to do? It's so beautiful. It's right. simple. Mm-hmm. Simple is the best. Mm-hmm. So you, you but also... the trust was nice. Sorry, but no, the trust ahead. was very, very open to it. I did the first design. They liked it, but they, they thought maybe, okay, let's reduce it even to even simpler. And I mm-hmm. did that. They were like, great. It's fine. <laughs> so you've also designed costumes for Alexia Ratmansky, Yorma Elo, and Annabelle Lopez Ochoa. So yeah. that's another way that you have to deal with someone else's parameters versus with your leotards, you can kind of go with your own specific artistic vision. Um, how do you mm-hmm. collaborate with those choreographers to make sure that you capture their vision? Yeah, it really depends who, but uh, I have to say all these famous choreographer you just mentioned they're very open mm-hmm. they they will give me very few hints to start with and I say okay fine let me come up with something and I will maybe do a few different designs according to what they were saying mm-hmm. and then they usually like something from there or they say oh can we just work on this one design that you did that um maybe we can add something to it or Let's see, maybe we need another color or, but mm-hmm. very, very open, really nice. That must be so fun for you to kind of just feel that freedom that you have in your other work as well. And then kind of collaborate with someone else. That must be great. Is that something that you want to do more of, or do you prefer just kind of focusing on your brand? 
Oh, I'm so happy to do both because um, costume design really gives me opportunity to try something new mm-hmm. because I'm not sewing it um, myself, the costume design. Mm-hmm. I just have to design and come up with idea. And I have um, usually costume departments that try it for me. Right. So there are a lot more possibilities I, I discover that maybe I I could even learn something from there to put in my dance wear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. what is next for the brand Yumiko? What is next for you? You know, it, it's interesting. Of course, you know, there are times we, we wanted to expand more into another things like more lifestyle product and stuff. But I have to say, because people like our dance wear so much that I, I want to just keep focusing, creating new designs, more for kids, because I know a lot of kids ask me, mothers ask me, mm-hmm. more uh, kids' designs, just better qualities. I can find more fabrics, new fabrics that are out there, but really focus in um, quality, always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we know that every dancer is looking forward to um, any anything new that you have to offer. It's really such a staple of our world, and we're all so grateful that you make us look good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to hear that. That's <laughs> nice. Makes me want to do more. <laughs> nice. So we're at the final portion of our interview, which we call our lightning round, where we'll just uh-huh. ask a couple of short questions, and you tell us what uh, comes to mind. Huh, okay. So, if you could come back to dancing tomorrow, what ballet would you dance? Oh, I, no matter what, I would say David Dawson. Mm-hmm. He did all the creations on me. Wonderful. Like this Giselle, full-length Giselle he made for me, which is what I danced also for the last retiring show. Aww. I would love to dance that Giselle again. Yeah. Um, how about favorite on stage moment? Fever, like, like exciting. Yeah, like maybe one of a role that you always wanted to dance and you finally got to, or maybe a tour that you went on. Something that sticks out from a performance memory. Oh, I, it's hard to say because <laughs> oh, there were so many really wonderful ones. But yeah, really one of David Dawson's creation, mm-hmm. like this first piece, one of the first pieces he made, Gray Area, for me, it was like moment to be nothing. You know, it's like the best I could be. Like, mm-hmm. Not myself, but like really nothing. That's beautiful. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a really beautiful feeling. That was like, wow, I, I really am so lucky I experienced such thing. Yeah, this... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, but who is a dream choreographer you'd like to design uh, costumes for? Oh, I'm so lucky I already do. For, like, I did design for Forsyth. Uh, oh, I I cannot ask anymore. I'm so happy I already <laughs> did do quite a bit. So just our last one. If you could design costumes for a full-length ballet production, which one would you choose? Oh my goodness. Oof, that's a tough one. <gasps> I mean, anything would really give me a kick. Really kick out of it because I, I did Swan Lake for Scottish Ballet. It was, oh, it was really amazing. Oh, yeah, it was a really amazing experience. So you're no stranger also, to designing for a full length. <laughs> oh, but it was nice. Also, I did Tristan Isolde. This is, this is all for David Dawson because uh-huh. when he's offered to do 
full length, I, I go with him and mm-hmm. we discuss it about two years what to do. Wow. Yeah, it's a quite a process. But yeah, any I would do any full length. I, I don't know. I would love it because we always try to turn that into more a little bit more modern look or, you know, more about purity. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Yumiko, for your time. And thank you so much for your support of the Conversations on Dance podcast. We love having you guys as a sponsor. We couldn't think of a better brand to represent and promote because we, like we said, we wear your products and we love them. And it was so great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I hope I was okay. You were Thank you for joining us this week. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Conversations on Dance. Subscribe to this podcast now to be automatically notified when new episodes become available every Monday. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.